This is an ABC podcast. Roots and Shoots with Sabrina Hahn and Christine Layton on ABC Radio Perth and WA. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, Sabrina. How do I find you on this Arbor Day? Well, good morning, Steens. You you find me loving my trees is where you find me. <laughs> Are you up one right now because there's a bit of an echo? It sounds like you might be taking that seriously. <laughs> ah, I know. Um, if there's an echo, it's probably got something to do with I can only hear you out of one side of my headset. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> but that's all right because... Because I can hear you, and that's good. you know, it's probably my good ear. Um, okay, oh, the, the bad ear is probably the one that I've been talking into for the last year and a half. Um, so this is this is a very important day, and um, this morning on Perth Breakfast, at least, we we talked to a number of different groups who are planting trees today. Uh, Trillion mm. trees. Uh, have started yep. out at Hazelmere and the Belia wetlands are being rehabilitated now that it's been turned into a Class A reserve and amalgamated into one big lot. So they're out there now planting trees as we speak, eucalypts, hovias, other things. Um, so why, why is now such a good time to plant? Well, we traditionally always plant in winter because that's when we used to get, you know, that's when our rainfall was... Um, regular uh, of course things have shifted a bit but um, we're lucky that we've had well in, in the city anyway we've had quite a bit of rain already this year but it's a really good time to get plants to bed in so because none of this stuff is on retic of course so we're giving it the best shot at um, developing a good root system before the first summer hits if we plant during winter. Yeah. It's, um, there used to be lots and lots and lots and lots of different um, festivals and different events with, um, you know, you'd get, you'd get a few hundred people out planting, particularly around wetlands. Uh, but I think COVID's sort of um, had it definitely had an impact on a lot of the community group planting things. Yep. So it's great to see that some of them are still actually going ahead. Yeah, definitely. Give us a call, 1300 222 720. 1300 222 720 uh, to speak to Sab. Now, I had um, a few uh, emails this week asking when Open House is restarting firstly. Have you had any word on that, Sab? No. Oh, well. Um, I, I think everyone's just sort of waiting to see what's going to happen with COVID. Yep. Um, people are a little bit nervous about, you know, putting a, a set date on events because we sort of don't know if a second wave comes through, then there's going to be uh, restrictions again, I would suspect. So I think it's just a wait and hold type um, situation. But... Uh, you can go on to the to the web pages for um, all the open gardens and um, just they'll have information because everyone's just sort of waiting to see what will happen. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Well, while we get some calls ready to go uh, on the text line in nice and early, Les in Jero said, Sabrina. Uh, Oh, this is just a, actually this is just a nice text really um, you should see this place it's my wife's sister's and brother-in-law's property in Sovereign Hill and it's awesome and I'll just uh, put a little photo on the screen for you there's lots and lots of bananas uh, looks oh. like a lot of tropical plants 
Um, it looks pretty good. So thank you, Les, who is a regular texter. Um, and then we've got a question here from Gisela in Hall's Head, who we heard from last week. She said, this is not a plant question, but a garden one. What do I need to do to make nest boxes attractive to birds? Do they have to face a certain direction and have a certain height? Uh, it depends on the species of bird that you're after. Uh, yeah, definitely they do need to... You're not going to face them where they're going to cop all the hot afternoon sun. So in a northerly aspect, it's fine. Um, they definitely need... If you're going to put a nesting box up, try and put it in a tree where you've got canopy cover where predatory birds won't actually find where the nestlings are and come in and get the baby birds. Um, most nesting boxes are for, you know, things like parrots and cockatoos. Um, I strongly recommend that you put up powder loat boxes. They're a tiny, tiny little insectivore bird. Um, there's lots of information from land care groups and also the... Perth Naturalist Club WA have some really good info on those um, but pr protection from predators the other problem with the nesting boxes is the bees get in oh. so not not our West Australian or Australian bees but um, the honeybees European bees oh, right. and they totally destroy the so the so the birds just can't get in there Oh, okay, well that's good to know. So I I know I read I read something where in nesting boxes they were putting in cat flea collars. Yeah. Um, that uh, the the bees don't like it, so they don't go in there, but it doesn't harm the birds. Oh, interesting. So, so maybe you could tape one at the top, or they stink yeah. as well. They're pretty smelly yeah. things. So yeah, yeah. But I would say um, if you can contact land care groups or your local council, sometimes they run uh, workshops on making your own bird boxes. All right, there so. you go, Gisella. Hopefully there's something for you in Hall's Head. Let's go to a call, shall we, Sabrina? I've got Chris who's in Kendanup. Hello, Chris. Hi, how are you going? Very well. How's Kendanup this morning? It was very chilly in Perth. Very cold and uh, foggy. And foggy. Ah, Around all the open farmland, it's very tight to spot. That would have been beautiful. Oh, did you say it the? Was. Oh no, but not the. Did you say the? Did was there frost? Um, somebody else said there was frost, but we didn't have any. Okay, good. All right, we don't like that's that because right, we've only just <laughs> seeded. I think. No, that's right. And some people have had to reseed, mm. and no, it's not mm. a good, not a good word. Um, uh, Chris, what is your question for Sabrina? We've got a Walter lawn which we put down a few years ago. And it's really struggling. When we put it down, it was on clay, which we both rehoed about three or four times, put 150 kilo of gypsum on it. It had good topsoil, soil weapons, and fertilizer, but it really struggled. What, can we, what sort of compost can we put on top of it to, um, to try and get a good lawn out of it? All right. Did you get that, Sab? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, uh, Chris, unfortunately, it's a really bad time of the year because the buffalo is a hot climate lawn and it's going to go into a winter dormancy. So particularly once temperatures get down to zero or, you know, two, anything two, three backwards, um, 
there's really no point in doing anything at this stage because the the turf won't actually uptake anything that you're putting on there and I wouldn't even put compost on at this stage. So you're just going to have to sit tight until spring. So as soon as it starts warming up and you've got longer daylight hours, then give it a, a light dressing of compost um, and, then, and then I would give it a spray, a liquid spray of fertiliser to try and encourage the, those blades to to start growing so get a lawn a liquid lawn fertilizer but you can't honestly you can't do anything until spring okay thanks for the call chris ros is in chidlow good morning ros yeah good morning sabrina and what's your question for sabrina we've got some we've got some very um loud phone lines this morning ros so give us give us your biggest clearest loudest voice (laughs) all right um i have established grass trees on my bush property in um, Chidlow and I'd like to plant some roses in between them but I did hear Serena say that uh, you're not to overwater grass trees yes, so I wonder yeah. if you Alright, go Sabrina um, I, look, I would suggest that the combination of grass trees and roses isn't a good combination, mainly because if the you have to remember that fertilizer can spread throughout the soil a fair way. The type of fertilizer that you're giving your roses is not at all suitable for grass trees to uptake. So, and the other thing, of course, if you overwater your grass trees, they'll rot and die. So I really don't think it's a good combination to have. Is there anywhere else that you could put your roses, or, or yeah, even, you know, yeah, plant plant other nice. flowering natives in between the yeah. grass trees? Okay then. Because I think you're going to you you will lose your grass trees. Okay, so you can't have both. Sorry, Roz. Um, thank you for the call. Thirteen hundred. Triple two seven twenty. I've got Janine who is in Mosman Park. Good morning, Janine. Morning, ladies. How do um, we find you this weekend? Have you got any special plans in the garden? Well, I've already been out there since half past six. Whoa! Oh, yeah. good girl. That would have been and a bit now, chilly. <laughs> yeah, it was. But I planted in my planter box in the garage and then took out my new little beaches and out into the sun. Wonderful. Oh, Very fantastic. Good. But my question is, I have my garden's about three years old. It it's got raised garden beds built with concrete that were, you know, blackjack, and then I filled it with I think eleven tons of soil I had made at Greenlight. It was smoking yeah. when I got it, so it was clean. But now in yes. one in one garden bed, I've got these root eating things. I've seen cutworm on the path. I've had a massive plague of diamondback moth in the summer. I bought a bucket of Dipel from Merco and French, but every everything I keep in that garden bed, except the back hedge, which is Mariah, gets the roots get eaten out. I need to deal with it because I can't have this big hole in my garden. No, definitely not. I like um, protection. Okay. <laughs> ah, well, good luck with that. Um, <laughs> so uh, now with cutworm. They've made a thing, they've, they've made a, a powder that's actually for uh, fungus gnats, G-N-A-T-S. Yeah. And that actually has the same ingredient in it of spinosad, which is a, 
a worm yeah. Uh, which is caterpillar killer. I don't know if that would make any difference, but I would suggest you're going to have to uh, drench the soil with there's a organic eco grub killer that you can put down. That's not uh, you can still eat veggies with it, uh-huh. and you can also drench the soil with neem oil. N double e m and you can still... I've done neem oil quite a few times. But and that, oh, okay, and that hasn't worked? That. Okay, so... back for a while, but they come back. Right, okay. So the, so the diamondback moth caterpillar is different to cutworm caterpillar. Yeah, that's right. There's a little hard white, hard white curled up thing that's got a bit of tinge of orange on it sometimes that the birds like. I see a lot yeah. of that in there. And when I see it, yeah. then the plants die. Okay, so you're going to have to use a, an eco-grub drench because you, it's, 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 a different, it's a different beastie to the caterpillar. So, um, so all your caterpillar stuff is not going to work. All right, Janine, I hope that sorts it out. 0437 uh, is the text line. And I have this from Agent 714 for Sabrina. The requirement of two plum trees for success, do they have to be the same type of plum? And do you know what type of plum this is? And they've sent us a beautiful photo of a very juicy plum mm. that I wish I was eating right now. Oh, me too. My God, it mm. looks delicious. Yeah. Uh, no, you actually need two different plums. Ah. Um, and I, it looks like a satsuma, that plum. Bit hard to say, bit hard to tell when you've just got a plum that's sort of cut in half. Um, <laughs> looks like a satsuma, but it may not be. But as long as you've got just any other plum is, is fine. All right. Uh, also on the text line, Sabrina, I have lots and lots of fruit, tree flowers, plus a few pieces of fruit. Do I pull all off or leave and see what happens? Um, I don't know. Do you leave the fruit on at this time of year? What What do you think? Well, it depends, depends what it is. I mean, I've got my banana tree has just set off another massive bunch of bananas, oh. which is not clever in winter um i still have i still have a tree full of figs um so i'm just going to leave everything and see what happens so i would leave it and see what happens okay um i've got apples that are still appling um there's still heaps of leaves on the peach the nectarine all Mm. the apples the fig uh, Doesn't that just summarise 2020? It's been such a confusing time. Do I fruit? Do I not fruit? Do I, you yeah. know, do I just wait until next year? No one knows. I know. Even the fruit I know. trees. It's, it's, it's a pain. Yeah. It's a pain. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's Don't take some Don't know what calls. we can do. We've got Karen who's in Kalamunda. Hello, Karen. Oh, hello. Good morning. Now, I did make a boo-boo when I phoned. It's yeah. not about my crepe myrtle. It's about my... Um, Paper bark. Um, it's five years old. Five years old, Sabrina. It's been on the verge, and it's had a bit of a bashing. We've had one next to it, but we finally dug it up the other day. It's had a good root stock. Put it in our backyard, and it's very. It's about two meters, very tall and spindly, and just a, you know, a few leaves on the top. I mean, it looks healthy enough, but it's never flowered. 
Would it be, yeah. would, what do you think if we cut the top off to thicken it up? Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. Without oh, a doubt. thank the Lord. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, so Karen, definitely, you can take at least a third off. Oh, oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Oh, I thought you just hung up the phone to go and do it right now. <laughs> I like your enthusiasm. Oh, don't, don't you worry. Oh, uh, so no, it'll love it, and it's a, it's a good time of the year to do it as well, Karen. There you go. Got a winner. Very good. Um, on the text line, good morning, Sabrina and Christine. Please help me. My Portuguese laurels are under attack. What is this pest and what can I do to stop the problem? Thank you for your show, says Anna. Holy dooly. Certainly are. So there's a couple of things at play here. Mm. So there's, uh, there's eggs, there's juveniles, there's adults uh, of <laughs> wow. trip and aphids. Mm. So you've got the whole shoot and match going on there. Um, no wonder the leaf looks like it's silver. So the little tiny black bits of poo, um, and then you've got all the different stages of the life cycle of thrips and also aphids. Can just it be to add to saved it. when it's in that kind of nick? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so they're all on the backs of the leaves, and that's the trick. So you have to spray the back of the leaf with either pyrethrum or with a um, an oil, an eco oil. All right. Uh, Godspeed, Anna. That'll do it. Yeah, mm. wowee. Jeez, it's right. bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anything about plants, but it doesn't look good. Um, let's go no. to Doug, who is in Mundaring. Good morning, Doug. Good morning. How do we find you this morning? Anything anything to note? Yes, just two quick questions. Go. One on passion fruit and one on avocados. We've had a passion fruit up for about 10 years on its own, but it's not yeah. fruit. So I guess that's... Uh, we rip it out and get two new ones, and I understand, is it male and female? You need no. It? No, no. We'll rip that passion fruit out because 10 years old, no fruit. I'd suggest it's actually rootstock that you've got there and you'll never get fruit on that. Um, so take that out. You only need one passion fruit vine because the flower has all the male and female parts that it needs to develop fruit. So you only need one. But it's not a good time to put a passion fruit in now because they're a warm climate. I'd wait until spring. All right. You can sneak your avocado one in, Doug. Go on. Avocados. Grow <laughs> in the Mundaring Hills? Yeah. They are. Yeah, they'll grow there. Yeah, right. absolutely. And you only need one tree? Well... Uh, if there are any avocado trees around anywhere else, you'll only need one tree. Um, most people that have one tree end up getting fruit, as long as it's a named variety. So if you get a Hass or a Fuerte or a Reed, um, a Bacon, any of those, then you're likely to get fruit. All right. Roots and Shoots with Sabrina Hahn and Christine Layton on ABC Radio Perth and WA. I should say, Sabrina, we were talking about planting trees and how it's a really good time to do it. And Wombat phoned in and said he wishes you were planting trees in his neighbourhood. Ah, Wombat. Well, you know, Wombat lives um, in Hopeton where it's very, very windy. And one of the best things you can do in a windy, windy area is actually to put trees in to make a wind break. Ah. So, so 
if anyone lives anywhere near Wombat, just see if you can get the council to whack a few trees in <laughs> around that area. Um, no, he wants crazy. you to do. It. He wants you to do it, Serena. <laughs> it's more fun well, when you, you know, do it. <laughs> you know, every year I go down for the um, Ravensthorpe Wildflower Show. Ravensthorpe Wildflower Show. Yep. So all that. So the Nanup Flower Show, the Ravensthorpe Flower Show. They're doing things differently this year. So it's not going to be the festival like it used to be. Um, so the Nanup one is going to run over a much longer period of time and they'll just have set days where um, they're, you know, doing particular activities. But they've gone ahead with the, a lot of the tulip planting, so that'll be beautiful to see. Uh, and there'll be some open gardens and stuff. And um, the Ravensthorpe Wildflower Festival will still have activities for that. So uh, if you go to my Facebook page, I'll have all the information on all those festivals that we usually go to in, you know, September, October. Um, so and a big shout so out I'll, to. I'm still coming down, Wombat. I'm still coming down. <laughs> yep, Sue Layton, who's probably listening, who does a lot of hard work down there to get yeah. it all get it all going. Yeah. I remember when I was working in Albany, she'd bring us these massive boxes of beautiful wildflowers that she'd picked with a license, um, and yeah. they would just eventually turn into potpourri. So the whole ABC yep. Great Southern office smelled really good because of her um, for months and months oh, on end. Yeah, yeah great festival. Oh, um, Fitzgerald River National Park, a beautiful area yeah. as well. Yeah. All right, let's take some more calls. We've got Jeff from One and Up on the line. Good morning, Jeff. Now, my, uh, uh, this is the old chemist from Noangra, oh, actually, now. I, oh, from Noangra up now. Oh, look at that. Um, how, how have you been going? You gave me a lot of advice when I was pregnant, um, things, that I, that I, the, things that I could do to help myself along. And you, yes. got, you got me there. I'm still standing, Jeff, so thanks well, for that. Well, that's fabulous, my dear. <laughs> uh, greetings to you both. Now, how do I deal with a toddler? Tell me yeah, that much. Greetings to you. <laughs> no, no. What's your, what's your question, Jeff? How can we help? Well, um, doing what Sabrina does, uh, there was a man in Victoria when I lived there called Kevin Hines, who probably started I know radio. Kevin, yep. And he was famous for calling hydrangeas hydrange, if anyone remembers. <laughs> <laughs> High now, range. Now, oh no, I thought you should have a nostal- nostalgic sort of section. So mm. before I get too old and lose my memory, I thought I'd better ring you up <laughs> and tell you this. Yes. On a Saturday morning in Victoria, they used to have a link-up, Kevin Hines and two other experts okay. on the telephone. And one bloke oh. rang up and the, someone said, what's your trouble, mate? And he said, it's me asparagus. And... Uh, so the fellow proceeded at great length to tell him he wanted to grow asparagus and he fertilised his patch and re-fertilised his patch and he was about to plant it and someone said, oh, he could get cow manure. So he said, oh, good, I can make liquid manure. So he dug up his patch and he put Hume's slotted pipe in there so he could distribute the liquid manure. And then, yeah. Yeah, this was going on and on and on, you see. Yeah. And then, and then one of the fellows said, well, what's, what's, is your asparagus growing? And he said, yes. He said, well, what's the trouble? And yeah. he, it was almost like he was crying. And he said, my asparagus, he said, it's as thick as my wrist. 
What am I going to do? <laughs> he done too good a job. He done too good a job. <laughs> there was a, a pregnant pause for about eight seconds, and one of them said, "Don't fertilise it for about four years." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very good. I used to watch Kevin Hines. Yeah. Because um, I was always into gardening from birth, and uh, he was such a great presenter, actually. And yeah. did, he wrote a lot of articles and books and, and such a beautiful man. He seemed a lovely, lovely man. Yeah, much like Jeff. Thank you for the call. It was nice to hear from you again, Jeff. 1,300, seven twenty. That's a trick for your asparagus people. <laughs> yeah, make your own liquid cow manure. It is that time again. It is Sabrina's musical pick of the week. Pick, pick of the week. <laughs> I know you're going to dig this. Here we go now. It's happened already. We are already at 9.30, Sabrina, and you've actually got a song that involves a type of food that comes from a plant, I guess. (laughs) Tell Tell us about this track. Oh, as she just drops off. That was dramatic. Um... Oh, well, Sabrina's gone, but I can tell you that the song is Pretty Lady by Tash Sultana, uh, who is just a brilliant musician. Uh, She uses sampling, sampling pads, uh, to loop music to get different effects. She's brilliant. See what you think of this. And give us a call, 1300 222 I'll find Sabrina. Pretty Lady. Sultana with Pretty Lady. Uh, and while I was grooving away to that very funky tune, I found Sabrina. She was hugging another tree because it's Arbor Day. Um, <laughs> you just hung up on me and ran away. And I understand the urges are strong, but <laughs> you're on live radio, so what you doing? <laughs> I know. I know. Sorry about that, Steve's uh, It's such a, do you know, it yeah. is such a glorious day. That's why I love cold mornings. And I love just hanging up when I'm in the middle of a gardening program, racing out and just giving a big hug to a tree. You know what? I can't even be mad because it's such a beautiful action. Why not? Um, I have lots and lots of texts to say that you pick the best music. You are very cool, this person says. Oh, yeah, they, how sweet. I love that song. She's yeah. a pretty groovy girl. Yeah, she's very, very intelligent. Um, I, I love watching videos of her with the sampling pads um, yeah. and, and just how she's able to make music on the fly electronically. Yeah. I think she's very talented. So we'll Just s- like we just make gardening programs <laughs> on the fly, regardless of whether I'm here or not. That's right. No global recognition, <laughs> but you know what? We're still getting it done. Um, on the text line, we've got lots of beautiful photos. Um, somebody, in fact, Wes from Basso said, Sabrina, what is this handsome little beastie? And it's um, it's like oh, wow. a moth the size of an aeroplane. What's going it's on? It's a huge there? moth. They yeah. are beautiful and so rarely seen now. Hmm. So, Basso, what you've got is a eucalyptus hawk moth. Ooh. And it's about the size of a bloody hawk. Yeah. I mean, they're seriously large. Well, they're not the size of a hawk, but... Um, so they, uh, so the they pupate in eucalyptus trees, and uh, and then they develop into this exquisitely beautiful moth. And the colours of the moth are 
just like the bark of a eucalyptus tree. But this one happens to be on his cabbage by the look of it. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of got its species mixed up, this little hawk moth. Oh. So I would say the hawk moth is there to lay eggs. Um, and the, the actual caterpillar is huge. It's a big, of course, the moth is huge, yeah. so therefore the caterpillar would be huge. Yes. Um, but you don't see them that much now, which is very sad, which is why we should plant more trees. Yeah, that's Stems. right. That's right. I wonder if there are people out there planting uh, as we speak, and I know there are for, for a few different projects. Um, mm. Someone has sent us a text of their Carmelia in Guildford, 100 years old, looking very fit. Um, and we've got some more texts which we'll get to, but let's do some calls. We've got Kim who's been waiting on the line. Kim is in Karenup. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I We have a very large Norfolk pine tree in our backyard and kind of before COVID started, it's shed all of its leaves and it's now very brown and doesn't mm. look very happy. Um, so, uh, that is not a good sign. Pardon? That is not a good sign. No. So I wonder whether I've have heard that there's like a fungus that's been attacking the pine trees down at Cottesloe. I wonder if it's got that. And is no. it likely that it will fall over? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, the the conifer canker that um, is killing off all the the pine trees in Cottesloe is a different type of conifer. So uh, it doesn't affect the oricarias, which is what your Norfolk Island pine is. So there's something else going on there, Kim, it's, but it's definitely not that fungus. It could be another fungus like Armillaria or Phytophthora, which is dieback. The only way of uh, determining that is to look at, to get a root sample and get that checked for Phytophthora or Armillaria. If you've got honey-coloured mushrooms that are coming at the base of the Norfolk Island pine, then it's armillaria and there's absolutely nothing you can do about that and the pine will die. Will it fall over, Sabrina? Look, it's hard to know. If it's a type of root rot, there is a possibility that it will because the root system will just rot away. Okay. Um, It's happened so quickly, though. It's happened uh, like so it's in a matter of um, months. Like it was nice and healthy and then suddenly COVID happened and I was like, oh, uh, it's not looking very is healthy. It, is it in your garden or is it on the front verge, King? Uh, it's in our backyard. Okay. Uh, how big is it? It's big. Um, if you're driving up Karen Up Road, you can see it. <laughs> like near the shopping centre. <laughs> you can see it. <laughs> along, along with the okay. water tower. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Okay, Kim, what I want you to do is I want you to ring up the WA Tree Guild. Okay. You'll find their contact details uh, on online. Uh, you will have to get an arborist to come and look at that tree because if the root system does rot, there is a, you know... It's, it's going to become dangerous, but it may not be that. It might be something else. So okay. if you ring up the tree guild, tell them that you've got a Norfolk Island pine that is suddenly going off. Um, they will send an arborist who can actually test for all different sorts of diseases. And it's worthwhile doing because it's a large tree. Yes, for large reasons. <laughs> I wouldn't want that falling down either. Um, oh, Hello. 
Ah, beautiful. Can you hear that? Yeah. Kookaburra yeah. in the background, although they are yeah. considered pests in the West, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's so many birds here in my garden. Um, I would like to think that the kookaburras are just feasting on the rats that are here yep. rather than the little birds that I have. Oh. That would be a nice thought. Have I told you the story about when I saw a, a kookaburra go up against a frog at one of the golf courses um one of the oh sabrina it was so graphic and there were kids around basically this kookaburra took a frog halfway down its body and to kill it to eat it it smashed it against this tree branch and this frog was screaming and these parents were covering the eyes and ears of their kids and oh and there was nothing we could do because it was so far up the tree and i can't climb um anyway it was oh. quite quite the sight, but yeah, I know they're they're, <laughs> they're certainly very good predators. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Strong. All right, mm. let's go to Paul in Bunbury, who can segue us out of this horrible mental image. Hello, Paul. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. I'm lovely, loving your show. I love it to listen to it every Saturday. You can stay oh, then. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> What's your question? <laughs> well, we're going from that Norfolk Island pine to another conifer. I've got right. some conifers in my in my driveway, which are about two metres high, a bit over two metres high, and about yeah. 1.5 metres across, and they're starting to bump on the car. Can I cut them back to, like, 500 mil across, where all the brown wood is inside, or is that too uh, hard? Now, which conifer is it, Paul? It's, it's, the, it's got a very flat leaf that um, okay, book leaf. stands vertically. Book leaf conifer. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, the book leaf, well, do you know what you... That's a tricky question, mainly because I've seen where some people have done that and they've cut back into the hardwood and it's actually regrown. And yep. then other people have done it and it's died right back. So I, if I were you... So you can trim them back a little bit, no problem whatsoever. But I would select just on each tree select one or two branches and cut right back and see what happens. Right. Now, conifers take a long time to recover, don't forget. So it could be a year before you've got that growth back where you've cut it back. Okay. I did did one side of a couple on the second driveway and I did one side and they came back okay just on the sunny uh, eastern side. Sunny side. Yeah, yeah. Morning, the morning yeah. side, but there's yes. there's very sparse growth on the south side where they don't get much sun. Anyway, where they don't get much sun. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not a good time to do it if they're not reshooting on the south side. Then I certainly wouldn't do it during winter. I'd wait until spring when there might be a bit more light getting to them on the southern side. All right. Uh, early spring. Early spring. Good luck, Paul. 1300 Let's go to Catherine, who's in Del Wallinue. Hi, Catherine. Hi. How, How are, are you? Both? Hello, Catherine. Good, oh, good. good, thank you. Um, I've what got a Japanese um, seedless mandarin that I've had in my third year, mm-hmm. and we've finished our harvest of them now, but they've grown so massive. One of the biggest mandarin we've had is actually almost half a kilo in weight. Whoa. Oh, my God. And I've had 13 kilos of fruit. That's amazing. And I was just wondering, is that normal? (laughs) They are. Catherine, they are a really big mandarin. They're huge. Japanese seedless. 
I yeah. thought on the pinto, they're about the size of a grapefruit. No, 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 no. They're about the size of a grapefruit. Oh, because they're huge. Like, I was like, oh, my goodness. Yep. So I, I suppose yeah. the next question is, can my toddler and I come around to your house? Because I reckon we I just... I thought you were <laughs> <laughs> They are. They're not, as, they're not as sweet. Oh, okay. Um, but we have an issue with the tiny little ants and every one that they go on, they're sweeter. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, is so, it, um, so is it... Um, I mean, the, whoa. Do they also yeah. want some mandarins? Tell us what the fruit is sweet. <laughs> um, so I suppose is it... Um, well, the, I reckon that the fruit has... Um, Tilly, Tilly, come here. <laughs> so I've got my kids arriving to pick up the ute yeah. <laughs> to go down south. Okay. Um, so Tilly's just letting me know that there's someone here. Um <laughs> Good work, Tilly. Keep it up. Hey, the joys. The joys of working So the size of them is quite normal then? (laughs) Yeah, it's normal to be a really big mandarin. Now, the Japanese seedless are usually quite sweet, so it might be that you've over-fertilised it, perhaps, Catherine. Well, I've got um, some fantastic sheep poo around it. Okay. And I had a lot of fruit drop originally, so I, I don't know what the the fertiliser called but it was a citrus one for uh, fruit drop and that just stopped happening after I did just a very little bit what they said yeah. and I've only done it yeah. probably six months ago and I haven't right. fertilised it at all so yeah, yeah. okay alrighty well um, uh, so I don't know I just I'd count your blessings and uh, you may <laughs> if you're going to get that many mandarins you may need to thin them out a bit next season okay uh robbo from franklin river good morning robbo he's asked uh his orange tree is bitter uh what can he do he's got the opposite problem to Catherine. okay so there's two things that can cause that one is that it's cross-pollinated with something else um and you're getting like the bitter lemon coming through which can come through from the uh from the rootstock or you've put too much nitrogen on because if you put a lot, lot of nitrogen on, you'll get sort of a thicker skin and the, and the fruit becomes slightly bitter. Okay. So it's either reverting back or you've over-fertilised with the nitrogen. And another uh, citrus question. Can I espelier yes. a lemon tree oh. on the eastern side of my property in Hopeton, says Alan. Espelier. Espelier, thank you. Espelier. <laughs> it sounds like I... a spell from Harry Potter. <laughs> uh, yes, you can. Indeed, you can. No problem whatsoever. All right. Helen is in Parkerville. Hello, Helen. Oh, how are you going? Hi, you're the next winner. What What would you like to put to Sabrina? All right, Sabrina. Gamosis. 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 Okay. Alrighty, so uh, your plum, if it has dropped all all of its leaves, has it done that yet? Uh, Yes. Okay, so you need to spray the entire tree to where it drips off with a liquid copper spray. Liquid copper spray, okay. Yeah, yeah, so you do that now during winter. All right, and what about, can I drench the soil with anything? There's no point in drenching the soil because the fungus is actually in the in the tree itself. In the it's not in the soil. 
So um, you could throw some, what I do is throw some microbes, get some uh, soil microbes and throw them around the, the base of the plum tree because that will, if there's any bad fungi there, then the bacteria in the soil microbes will attack the fungi. Okay, well, good luck, Helen. Um, I've got a text from Pauline in Meriden who said, is this the caterpillar of the hawk moth? And it's oh. very big, very pronounced. Um, and it's bright blue. Yeah. Is that it? Uh, no. Ah. But I'd love to know what that is. We, are we it's having... It's the funkiest looking thing. Yeah. It's got little... It's uh, blue. It's got white and big black eyes. Uh, it looks like a cartoon caterpillar, if anything. It does, yeah. doesn't it? It does. See, the, whenever you see a caterpillar and you see big black eyes and then little white eyes behind it, it's not actually their eyes. Oh. So they they do that to mask where the head would be. Um, it, that that the the black markers are to put the um, birds off from eating it. But I will find out what that blue caterpillar is. It's quite beautiful. Are we having Dr. Bugalugs in next Saturday, Sabrina? Yes. 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 And I Beauty. hope you're listening, Daryl. Um, <laughs> Because Daryl uh, has sent me an absolute payload of information on uh, the, the Q fly that's just arrived to town um, and we're going to hammer him with questions about the um, gall wasp as well. So I haven't had time to read all the information, so we'll get Dr. Bugalugs on next week Yep. and um, we can go through all those, the things that are that we don't really want establishing here, like the Q-fly. We've already got Medfly. We know another one. Mm. And, of course, the Gore wasp. I've had a text from Andrew in Cottesloe who has said that Cottesloe Council put out a public notice on the 15th of May saying they have a fungal disease, Neophysicocum, affecting ah. Norfolk pines from the top down, just in relation ah. to... Was it... Uh, who was it from Karen? Was it Erin... Um, no, it wasn't Aaron. No. Oh, come on, brain. <laughs> I'm at the end of my four hours, so it's not working as well. Uh, but that's very interesting, Andrew, and thank you for the text. He went on to say uh, they are also using liquid biostimulant to treat and protect, so it sounds serious. Um, yeah. It would be interesting, interesting to see how the, um, the biostimulant works. We use that on, um, on some of our clients' trees. Uh, and it's sort of all up in the air whether some of them are very effective. Um, yeah. Oh, that's sad because, you know, they, particularly in Cottesloe, iconic, those... Um, they are they? Yeah, they yeah. are. Yep. They are. All right, let's go to Rhonda, who is in Mount Pleasant. Hello, Rhonda. Good morning. <laughs> that, was a, that was a beautiful good morning. It was nearly a song. How can we help? Oh, it's such a joyful morning. It's a pity not to share it. Um, True. I have a 30-year-old azalea living underneath mm. a liquid amber, and they've had a very happy relationship for a lot of years, but um, progressively small branches are dying off, maybe one every three weeks. I'm pruning them off, but yeah. I'm a little concerned whether it's reached the end of its viable life or whether its um, attractiveness to the red spider mite might have proved fatal. Well, as they get older, they're going to be more susceptible to spider mite. Mm. But it could be 
also, Rhonda, that the you know over thirty years, your liquid amber, the root system of that will be more vigorous than what it was. Mm. So it might be that your azaleas are just not getting the amount of nutrients that they used to get. So is it possible to dig around there and get some fresh compost and cow manure and to build the soil up a bit? Oh yes, I, I think I found a job for my husband for the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Delegate so, away. <laughs> so I think it's just that the liquid amber is drawing up a lot of moisture and nutrients because mm. um, they, you know, over a 30-year period, that tree will, the root system will have enlarged. And then I would also give your azaleas a, um, a, a fungicide spray just in case there's something affecting the root system of them. Okay. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Rhonda. Enjoy the day. And you too. Bye. Uh, Stu on the text line, I'd like to learn about WA native trees. Any recommendations on books or resources? Who was it that we had in um, to talk about uh, natives, ginormous book, Sabrina, a few months ago? Ah, yes, yes, yes. So, um, Hans. Yay. Hans. Mm. Oh. <laughs> I've got I've got the book here. Anyway, yep. it's um it's the uh, biodiversity hotspots of South, of uh, southwestern Australia. Yes. Um, Hans Lambers, L A M B E R S. Wonderful. Uh, they have a a great uh, Facebook page with lots and lots and lots and lots of information. Um. Your best bet is to, I would definitely go to the Kings Park Aspects Bookshop. They have just about every book on West Australian flora, all in the one area. So I would definitely go there. That would be my first point of call. All right. A follow-up on that text about the caterpillar. Um, a very similar one has been sent through and the person says this is apparently a grapevine moth baby. Um, oh. Yeah, and I'll put up this photo, which is kind of similar but different, if you can see that, Sabrina. It'll come. It's a, it's a, it's a better quality photo. Um, this is where we need Dr. Bugger. Oh, that's cute, but wrong colour. Maybe um, it's got similar... Yeah, it is similar. All right, everyone, Fat save your bug questions, and we'll and we'll answer them properly next week. How does that sound? Well, we need to save those photos so I can send them to Doctor Bugalugs. Can you do that for me? Yep. Scenes? Yep. Molly, my wonderful yes. producer, has pricked her head up. She's going to get onto that now, so we'll we'll do that. Excellent. If Very she can good. send those to me, I'll get the who dang on it. And then what we will do the week after that, we'll bring someone on from the council, Cottesloe Council, or uh, their arborist to talk about the disease that's in the pine the trees pines. in Good the idea. Norfolk Island pines because right. that's important to get that information out there. All right, very good. Let's do that. It is five minutes to ten. Sports Talk is up soon. Round three continues on Grandstand AFL. The Eagles will be out to bounce back when they meet the Brisbane Lions at the Gabba tonight. Cripps runs to 50, bouncing ball, bounces at home. And the Eagles go bang, bang. Fremantle will face a challenge against top of the table Port Adelaide in the late game tomorrow. He would not stop. He was like the Terminator. 
Friday. Join us live on ABC Radio Perth, WA and Grandstand Digital. Number one for footy. And Mark Duffield, Mick Malthouse and Clint Wielden will join us very soon after the 10 o'clock news. Still time for calls though. Let's go to Deborah who's in Bustleton. Hello, Deborah. Hello. Morning, ladies. Morning. Morning, Deborah. <laughs> um, I have a standard long eczema with Syria, and it, um, it flowered, or probably maybe two flowers, in my first year that I planted it in Bustle. Um, and then it hasn't flowered since. Um, I've done some research, and they said it may be because it's not getting enough sunlight. Would that be true? That could be true. Um, where is it? Um, well, it's in well, it's northwest sort of facing. It gets morning sun um, in winter, not a lot in the afternoon in, in uh, spring summer. So um, just one, oh. and it's shaded by the house. Yeah, that may well be a little bit too shady. Until it, and when it gets higher, will its head be in the sun or not? Um, I think it's at its full growth. Um, I'm not sure how old it was when I actually purchased it. Um, right. It hasn't done a lot of growing since I put it in. So I think is it possible? Added. Is it possible to move it? Ah, uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I I really think that it would be a lot more spectacular if you moved it where where it gets a lot more sun. You know, as long as their head is in the sun, it doesn't matter about the base of the of of them. But um, yeah, if you want if you want good flowering, you're going to have to put it in a sunnier spot. All right, Deborah, that's your mission for this weekend. Sophie is in Mullaloo. Hello, Sophie. Hello, Christina. Hello, Sabrina. How are you? Oh, Hello, Sophie. Very good. well. I've got a pretty common question. I'm sure you've answered before, but I always keep missing the answer. So I've got, I've planted two pawpaw trees. They're young, they're about one and a half metres at the moment, and they are flowering profusely. However, they're not producing anything, and the flowers look the same on both trees, so I'm thinking I've got two males. Ah, you'll have two male trees. Yep. Uh-huh. Now, you're going to have to get a girlie for them to play with. Um, It's going to be a bit hard finding pawpaws at this time of the year. So um, if you you go to a nursery and they don't know whether they've got male or female, they should. They should be tagged. Then just get a bisexual pawpaw. Okay. Because they have male and female flowers on the same plant. Ah, okay. And do the males fruit at all? No. Okay. <laughs> they, just, they, they, they just provide. They just provide the pollen. That's okay. So we we do the hard work. It sounds like you've done some hard work, um, Sophie. Who, who's that in the background? Oh, it's a toddler. Oh yes. Oh. <laughs> you need some blueberries on hand. Oh, I do. Unfortunately, they're all frozen at this time of year. Oh, no, yeah. Oh god. Good luck uh, finding your your bisexual paw paw, Sophie. Thank you very much. And, and Godspeed with the toddler as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I've got that waiting and I can't wait and also fear it lots. Ah, um, yes. So, Sabrina, next week I it's going it to be well. <laughs> a big week. We'll get Dr. Bugalugs in and then we'll plan to get uh, somebody in to talk about the Norfolk finds. I, I think that's yes. a great idea. What have yeah. you got planned for the weekend? How are you going to spend this weather? I am going to be in my garden all weekend and I'm going to plant two new trees. Oh, what types? 
Uh, I've got a Circus and a um, a beautiful lily pilly called Cascade. Very good. That's a nice way to spend Arbor Day. Well, thank you, Sab. We'll speak to you next Saturday. Will do. And it's time for news, everyone. Have a good weekend. 10 o'clock. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.